So welcome to SaaScast, the podcast that talks you through the steps you need to future-proof your product. Whether that's building the ultimate SaaS marketing team or taking your product global, our guests will help you grow, scale up and work smarter. Today we're joined by Rupal Nishar, who is the AVP of Customer Success at Natomi. Natomi is an AI platform for customer service that allows businesses to activate, manage and train AI to automatically resolve tickets, enhance agent productivity and provide customer experience. Today, she'll be talking about how to predict churn before it happens. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me here, Gemma. I'm super excited to be here. Uh, uh, I think uh, I've been part of some of your events. I absolutely love uh, some of the content that uh, you've put together and you bring such a diverse group uh, together. And it's always amazing to collaborate and meet some of my peers here on this platform. So I appreciate being here and having this conversation about CS, uh, uh, customer success, customer experience, and SaaS. These are just some of my favorite things to talk about. Perfect. And we're very happy to have you. It's lovely to have people who've got some really great insight into the community, lots of great connections, and some um, really great tips for our audience. Yeah, absolutely. Great. So we'll start off. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role? Uh, Sure, absolutely. I... uh, have a non-traditional uh, sort of CS background. I used to work for a consulting company right after I graduated. Uh, I navigated through working at um, um, the largest hedge fund in the world at uh, Bridgewater. Uh, the last two organizations I've been at, I have been mostly aligned, or my role has mostly been aligned with customer success and customer experience from building and scaling global CS teams to helping design the strategy for customer success and customer experience. Um, I love the academic aspect of being in in SaaS. Um, I think, uh, you know, I think of it as a changing frontier, right? At any given point of time, there's always some variable within the SaaS landscape that uh, is changing, either from a product perspective or a customer behavior is changing or the ecosystem outside is changing. So it's always a unique problem to solve. And I love being in the business of customer experience. So I'm here at Conga. Um, I am part of the customer success team here. I've been here for a year and a half now, and I get to work with some of the most uh, strategic accounts as part of my role. Amazing. So um, what a varied um, history there as well. So can you explain for our audience why keeping track of churn is so important for a SaaS business? So customer churn becomes a very important metric very quickly um, because a lost customer generally equates to a loss in revenue. And um, if a company loses enough customers, let's just say that it can have a serious impact Uh, on its bottom line, right? And no matter how fast the company is growing, right, it can be growing at a much faster rate, but if you're also bleeding, or at least if you have a leaky bucket from a churn perspective, it actually ends up being the single most important metric that is monitored uh, outside of some of the growth metrics. And it certainly doesn't matter if what the size of the organization is, right? You can speak to some of the more smaller startups to some of the more established organizations as well. Uh, churn uh, is a metric that is closely monitored. And, and, I, and I will even go beyond saying that it's not just true for SaaS, but it's also true for other business models uh, like e-commerce, etc. It, it is a measurement that uh, gets looked at very closely. And 
if I take a step back and I start with just some statistics, right, as uh, why, uh, to, to your question earlier, is why keeping track of churn is important. Um, uh, I'll, 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 there's been a lot of research that's, that's been done. And depending on what study you believe in and what industry lens sort of you look at, um, acquiring a new customer can be anywhere from five to 10 times more expensive than retaining an existing ones. So just think about that for a minute, right? Yeah. Acquiring a new customer is anywhere five to 10 times more expensive than retaining an existing one. Right? That by itself is a key metric right there. And if we also look at another variable, when I think about it, is, is what's the success rate ratio of selling, right? What's the success rate of selling? Um, if we look at both of these existing cohorts, right, the success rate of selling to a new customer is five to 20%. Okay, a healthy number. Yeah. In contrast, the success rate of selling to an existing customer, right? One who's already familiar with your brand, one you already have some influence over. The success rate over there is 60 to 70%. So churn impact is amplified and compounded, not just by the point in time loss of revenue for that customer uh, or ARR, um, but also the future lifetime value with the customer, right? So to make your existing code of customers Right. And I think of this as how do we make them rainmakers? You have to address the churn factor, right? There's just no escaping that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's it's obviously such a huge part of trying to make a business successful. So um, definitely a key thing for not only customer success to think about, but certainly the whole business, um, any leaders, any different departments. So what can you do to counteract churn? How do you hold on to those customers? Uh, there is a magical recipe. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. There isn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, there is a formula. No, there isn't. So I'll, I'll, let me let me start off by asking the audience listening, right? So if you were to take a look at your organization holistically, right, take a step back. And if you were to reflect on, as an organization, where are your investments today? Uh, think about it from a time perspective. How much time are you spending with potential customers or how much are you spending from a resource perspective to bring in net new logos or new prospective customers, right? And put that in one bucket and let's contrast that with the investment in relation to your existing customers, right? What, what do your investments look like? Are we as an organization, are you as an organization spending the same amount of dollars, time, level of commitment to your existing customers? Probably not, right? And so that's like one key variable to take into account and to look at uh, very seriously. Um, from a counteracting uh, churn perspective, there are certain things that can be done to slow down the velocity of the churn rate. Yeah. One of the things I will say is that um, uh, churn intervention, it cannot be done in a vacuum. Right. There certainly isn't a silver bullet, no magical recipe on one department that you can uh, uh, essentially attach the goal to or apply to address churn. Right. It has to be a com company wide initiative. Right. You have to activate and invigorate different areas within the organization to address it. So it isn't a one department, one team problem. It is in every department, every team problem. And your solution needs to be that way as well. Um, so the first thing, or at least one of the most important things that an organization can do uh, is understand what is driving the churn, right? An honest and unbiased, 
analytical view that tells you the diagnosis right? without sugarcoating it. Without sugarcoating it, because we have a tendency to try to make numbers look good, right? Mm-hmm. And people have a skill set for trying to make numbers look good, right? But that is not an area where you want to make sugarcoated. Yeah. You have to be able to measure and see things for the way they are. So I think I think that's like step number one, looking at it very holistically. Uh, and I'm a firm believer of the fact that you have to be able to measure. What you don't measure, you cannot improve. So if you don't know the root cause or the causes that are driving uh, some of the churn, Mm -hmm. uh, then you will not be able to counteract the churn, right? And I'm not saying that um, you need to apply all the prescriptions, uh, but there are generally some antidotes, right, that uh, that can be um, that can be applied. That's something to think through. Um, When when I think about churn in broadest terms, thematically, I think there are some things that come to mind. Is like Price is a very common objection that gets raised uh, universally, no matter what size of the organization is or uh, who the persona that you're working with is or uh, seasonality of things, right? Price is generally a very common objection. Even that happens at renewal, that happens uh, when it's a net new logo. So understanding where your pricing falls from a competitive landscape perspective is crucial. Yeah. Uh, This goes into the whole talk track of make sure you're selling things right. and if the if your audience, if the customer feels that they're going to get a better value at a different price point, they will evaluate it, right? So mm. I think price is one key uh, consideration. Uh, the other factor, I think, is improving the end user and the customer experience. That's another measure. Um, when I think about it, uh, the questions that come to mind are, is the product seamless, right? What is the level of effort for the end user or the customer to maintain the product, right? Yeah. Uh, there was a study that Oracle did, and um, uh, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> the numbers were, um, the study showed that nearly nine in 10 customers abandon like a business or the product because of poor customer service. Oh, wow. That's huge. That is huge, right? And the here is the here is the interesting fact in all of this. What the study also found is that 86% of customers would be willing to pay more for a better experience. Mm, yeah, 86% for a better experience, right? Like it's mind boggling. So when you look at some of these stats, right, it's very clear, right? These are very telling metrics that customers are looking for better functionality, better quality of functionality, you know, better experience and are willing to pay for it. Uh, so I think focusing on uh, the end user experience and the customer experience is critical from a countermeasure perspective. And then, um, from a customer journey, right? I think what can an organization do right from the get-go is make sure you're selling to the right end user, right? Is this yeah. the right customer profile? Mm. Uh, more often than not, if you're trying to meet your quota numbers or uh, potentially, you know, you end up selling to the, selling to the wrong audience, uh, it could certainly trigger churn down the road, right? Uh, yeah. So you have to ensure there's like good, product market fit that's actually solving the customer's problem. So I think it's important to train the sales team on recognizing what the ideal customers should look like and identifying ones, right? And weed those out. If they don't meet the criteria, that's fine, right? Maybe it's from a maturity perspective or you're not speaking to the right audience and or you're not aware of what the problem statement might be, right? So make sure how you sell 
is important as well, right? Not just what you're selling as a product. So the how also matters because that's where trust comes into factor. Um, and I'll, and I'll and I'll say this one thing uh, with, with respect to to, to um, the countermeasures is that you can't always apply the same prescription, right? To oh, yeah. sometimes you do need a more targeted and tailored intervention. The, and the treatment, the strategy can be slightly different depending on what the symptoms are, right? You can't just say, let's go and attach this strategy because it worked with such and such customer. You have to learn to understand what the genesis of the churn or the unhappiness is coming from. So I think that is something I would um, certainly uh, certainly advise taking a look at. Yeah, definitely. Um, as you say, so you said earlier, you can't make any improvements or really know how you can develop and move forward if you don't know the causes if you haven't if you don't know the causes then you can't tailor your approach to the problem that you're seeing so that absolutely makes sense um so you've covered it a little bit in that last question but are there different kinds of churn yeah so uh that's a good good question um if you ask most folks or at least generally churn is reflected in revenue loss right that's the more traditional metric that one looks at or the organization looks at yeah uh, but churn can materialize in different forms as well churn also happens in the sales cycle right if you think about it uh when uh the customer that you're trying to pitch to or sell to picks a competitor, right? This churn yeah. right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, another key metric to watch for is uh, churn from an advocacy perspective, right? Uh, if you already have a customer that's happy, that's healthy, that's engaging, and is a champion and a cheerleader, right? And if you lose that cheerleader, right? For whatever the reasons might be, right? That's another form of a churn, right? Mm. And in certain shape or form, they may still be using your product, but that's still customer advocacy churn, right? So that's something to monitor and make sure that you're actually uh, measuring both from a quantifiable perspective and a qualitative uh, way as well. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. And kind of moving on from that, sort of building on that a little bit, obviously you've discussed the different ways that you can sort of measure churn and, and identify it. Um, what KPI should an organization look at in a churn dashboard? Yeah, so that's that's uh, another great question is um, there are a ton of different metrics and measurements from a dashboard perspective that one can be looking at. I think um, one of the key ones, like I was saying, uh, traditional ones, churn by revenue, right, is uh, what is the attrition by revenue? Churn uh, over a time series, right? Let's plot over a period of time and understand from a predictive perspective what are some of those, um, what are some of those uh, points that that we can actually glean from? Uh, is there seasonality within churn that we can predict? Um, another key metric is if your organization has multiple SKUs, right, or multiple products, then are you taking a look at churn not just from overall revenue, but from a or from a churn by product, right? Yeah. And if there's specific areas within that uh, product family or a specific product where you see a high churn rate, then it's certainly worthy of a cause to dig deeper into why that might be the case, especially if it's a flag, flagship product. <laughs> so um, I think another key metric. Yeah, and another key metric is churn by number of users mm-hmm. or churn by number of customers, depending on how you how the organization is taking a look at it. Um, we also, I, I think I've seen certain organizations do this really excellently, is looking at churn through different geographies because that gives you an idea 
of uh, not just from a revenue perspective, but also from a percentage perspective, if there's if there's a miss. And um, uh, there are certain areas within, I think, from a geography perspective that you can certainly say where churn can be more predictable given the certain season it might be uh, as well. And um, uh, I think it's also critical to look at from a dashboard perspective what the reasons for churn are, right? Yeah. And uh, one that gets overlooked the most, I think, is what's the tenure of the customer, right? Um, the average tenure of the customer that's actually churning. So mm. it's important to see, is it your... Uh, uh, is it your um, customer that's been there for the longest period of time or is, is it more recent? And what might be driving some of that, I think, will give you some very good measurements uh, and KPIs. So it really depends on what is the narrative, what does your product family look like, what is your go-to-market strategy, what is your overall organization's um, uh, motion with regards to where you stand. So there are different KPIs I've seen being used. And there's obviously a different rhythm for reviewing those uh, KPIs as well. Yeah, that makes sense. And sort of ties into what you said earlier about tailoring the approach is once you have all of that information, obviously you're you're giving us a lot of different tools here and a different ways to identify, measure and counteract churn. Mm-hmm. But it's about taking those tools and making it work for you, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It certainly is about uh, applying it and um, making it work based on where you're at. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so sort of moving on from that, can AI be used to identify churn patterns? And do you think that that's a tool that will become more widely used within within SaaS businesses? Absolutely. I think different organizations use different methodologies for churn. I've seen organization monitor churn on a quarterly basis or a monthly basis. And then some that I see that take a look at it from an annual perspective, although that's not optimal, you want to be taking a look at it more frequently. And then there are some that are more uh, mature from that perspective that are super sophisticated. They're not only measuring churn on a much more frequent basis, but they've also developed more predictive analysis on churn, right? Um, If they understand sort of uh, the past performance, right? If they're looking at uh, the data from a rear view perspective and know uh, what is driving some of this or have the right, uh, what I call listening posts along the way that can flag for potential future churn. Um, so I've seen some organizations do that. Uh, most organizations that are looking for a competitive edge, right, in, in their area yeah. are absolutely investing to what you said, Gemma, is in building out these predictable engines and models, right? Yeah. So applying these AI principles um, to solve many of the traditional business challenges is, and you know, and creating valuable insights. Um, to like, when I think about it, they're trying to basically identify what these behaviors are for these high-risk clusters, right? So I think that's the that's certainly where the industry is headed towards, and um, the key is building out uh, velocity and momentum, right? Um, while you're identifying some of this, right? And it's not just about uh, the identification strategy. What your identification strategy today is going to be, the algorithm is going to be today, is going to have to uh, learn and will have to change as uh, there is more AI implemented and you glean sort of more analytics and the behavioral economics of some of the uh, some of these high-risk clusters, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and on the flip side, it is not only about preventing churn, right? It's also 
uh, about applying AI to understand what are those behavioral um, fingerprints of a successful and a healthy customer, right? Yeah. And can those be replicated from uh, replicated from this successful cohort into the risk cluster? And uh, can you create more sort of personalized experiences or uh, not, uh, let's, you know, personalized experiences seems to be <laughs> the buzzword, but, you know, I think about it as smarter experiences, right? Yeah. Across your customer journey, right? Absolutely. Um, uh, so, and, and, you know, organizations are doing everything from, uh, you know, uh, having a great uh, uh, data strategy, a great data hy- hygiene strategy, so they can start diving into these metrics. So I think that's really where I'm seeing the industry headed towards. And I'm seeing organizations that have a much smaller cohort of customers as well, and some that have in, in tens of thousands as well that are on, on the same journey, right? And I think yeah. um, the industry is certainly headed that way, Jama. Amazing. So it's really good to have that future insight there. Obviously, we are the future of SaaS and that's what we want to hear about is sort of where everything's going, where the developments are moving towards. So thank you for that. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for our final question, um, a little bit of a more general question for you, and you can either use examples sort of from your own experience (laughs) or any that you've seen. So what do you think are some of the biggest mistakes people make or the biggest misconceptions people have regarding churn? Obviously, you've covered a lot of what to do. um, So here we are asking you what not to do. (laughs) (laughs) So I I think um, one of the biggest things I've seen over the years is organizations fixing one thing in the organization or one process or one part of a process or a smaller slice uh, versus addressing the overall customer experience, right? So uh, churn does not necessarily occur randomly over one episode, right? It's not that one customer that's not happy with a certain outcome that is going to churn, right? Uh, There is generally a sequence or series of things that uh, lead up to uh, causing that customer to churn. So that is one of the biggest misconceptions I've seen is folks trying to address it as a point in time solution uh, versus understanding the events uh, pre-churn that are accumulating, right? That could be a byproduct, whether it's a frustration uh, around the service or product related thing, poor expectation setting in the sales process or external implementation, who knows? There could be n number of things that are going into this. And it's diving into what those root causes are that's going to um, give you an idea that what is the tipping point uh, that can push a customer over to chance. So it's looking at these incidents and putting it in the context of narrative. I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions uh, I've seen do this uh, in uh, repeatedly uh, over the years. I've seen um, other organizations do this as well. Mm. Another misconception I've heard is or at least I hear this often, it's too late, the customer is beyond saving, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know if I buy that. <laughs> we don't know that unless we've applied every single playbook to saving the customer, right? Like um, it's, and I don't know if I'm a big believer of giving up, right? Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you historically, I've been able to bring customers back to the negotiation table, even after they've declared that they're ready to go, right? <laughs> Walk out the door, we've already picked the other guys, blah, 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 right? Yeah. We've been able to change some of that narrative, right? So I believe it's never too late to intervene. And one should certainly not wait for things to get too 
too complicated yeah, of course, <laughs> to intervene yeah. as well, right? Like uh, the sooner the intervention and the remediation, I believe the better probably probability of managing that that churn, right? Yeah. Uh, and then on, on the flip side of that, the other misconception is that all churn is bad. There is, I believe, some churn that is good. Sometimes there are external factors that are truly um, forcing the customer to churn, right? Yeah. Uh, even if they're happy with the product, right? There could be other uh, circumstances that are driving them to, to churn uh, in spite of having great adoption, right? So I think yeah. in certain cases, I've seen customers leave and come back if it's a financial implication and or in certain cases, I've seen a new economic buyer that's coming in. And although the folks are using it, it takes a certain level of, re-engaging the economic buyers. So in certain mm. cases, it may make sense. But um, uh, in, in, in purely uh, from, a, um, uh, from an example perspective, I will tell you there are certain cases where I've seen churn. It makes sense to, uh, it makes sense if the churn is good, if the customer was sold the wrong product, right? If yeah. it's not a good fit and there is no alignment, you mm. have to let, uh, that take its course, right? Or you figure out, uh, are there other problems that, that can be solved within the product well, if, if with that, in that organization with the product portfolio that you have? So I think some, so the misconception is that all churn is bad is not a, is not terrible. I do feel that there is some elements of churn that, that one, it teaches you to be more reflective and understand and help you understand what you need to change internally within your organization from a people process technology perspective. And the other aspect is that there are certain things that will learn, that will churn and it's not always terrible. Yeah, absolutely. It, it You can sort of use it as an opportunity to reflect upon your own work, your own product, your own company, and sort of use that in a positive way to make sure that you're moving forward, developing, improving, and gaining more customers in the long term. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Um, and, and it's not, always um uh you know it's not always the fact what you want to think about is that you want to scale success right and not scale failure so it's important to understand what the blueprint is for both those scenarios for a successful customer versus a customer that is unhappy or will churn right and proactively manage their two sides of a coin uh so how do you do this manage this and more importantly how do you manage it authentically so there isn't a silver bullet but there are thematically things that you you learn from a trial and error perspective and apply it sort of to the organization. So there are more sort of the compounding impacts, uh, mm. both from a churn um, prevention perspective, and then also from uh, scaling the customer's uh, success perspective. That absolutely makes sense. Sort of, um, I guess, nipping things in the bud before they become huge operational problems for you as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. They can certainly become a greater problem <laughs> operation. Uh, I certainly agree with that. Perfect. So thank you for those insights on churn. I think we've we've covered so much in this and also looking towards the future as well. Um, do you have any other any final words or words of encouragement or words of advice for any customer success managers? Uh, words of, of, I think, operate with uh, authenticity, design processes for simplicity and um, be reflective. I think those are the principles that apply to no matter what I create. And that's always helped me or guided me towards uh, a better spot. So 
Fantastic. So lovely to end on a positive note there as well. So thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much, Gemma. I appreciate being here and I love the future of SaaS platform. I'm such a huge fan. Thank you. We love to have you as well. So hopefully we'll see you again soon. Um, Rupal has already spoken at our SaaS Metrics Summit. By the time this podcast comes out, that will have already happened. And we'll be looking forward to seeing her at the Future of SaaS Festival as well. So you'll get a lot more advice um, from Rupal from the Future of SaaS community. Mm -hmm.